taught us that prayer is one of the ways we open up our lives to God's cleansing and letting go of our attitudes. This message is the seventh in the series, The Way to Pray. The message is entitled, Open Up and Let Go. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to talk about prayer. We're involved in a series of messages this summer talking about the way to pray. And today's message is going to prepare us in a few moments for a time of communion together as we share around the Lord's table. And so I hope you'll listen with that in mind today, preparing our hearts together for the table of the Lord. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, was a man of prayer. You see him rising early in the morning and going out to pray. You see Jesus actually uh, praying oftentimes before he would perform a miracle. Over and over again, if you study the life of Christ, you will see that he was a person, a man of prayer. His disciples watched this. They saw it on a regular basis. And one day, one of these disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, would you teach us to pray your way? The reason I believe that this disciple made this request of Jesus was because he had watched Jesus pray. He learned that Jesus understood what prayer was all about, and he wanted to learn to pray the Jesus way. Teach us to pray your way, Jesus. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. When you pray, pray like this. And he gave us what we know to be the Lord's Prayer. It's called a model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Most of us have learned this prayer. Perhaps you have recited it, and maybe you do recite it on a regular basis. Maybe it's a prayer that you pray in your, in your daily time of prayer. All of us perhaps are familiar with it at some level. What was Jesus saying when he said, pray like this? In this manner, pray. This this is how you are to pray. Again, I've mentioned to you as we've talked about this model prayer of Jesus that he was not just giving us a group of words to pray. He was not saying, hey, memorize this and repeat this in 30 seconds and your prayer work has been done. No, Jesus was teaching us a pathway of prayer. He was teaching us a pattern of prayer. He was teaching us certain elements that would cause us to pray the Jesus way. We started out talking about the fact that he said, hey, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, you can't pray well unless you know God as your Father. It starts as a relationship thing. It is not religion. It is relationship. Hallowed be your name. That is, honored be your name. May your name be exalted. May your name be magnified. That is, you have to know something about God's name if you're going to honor His name. And so we spent a lot of time in that, that week talking about this whole element of the name of names of God and how the Bible reveals to us various names. He is Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah uh, Rapha, the Lord who is our healer. All kind of names that are attached to who Jesus is and what He came to do for us, who God the Father is, and what He came to do in terms of of his nature and his character. So hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, I'm asking you, Jesus, to rule me. Be king of my life. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. That is, Jesus, I want you to do your will in me. I'm giving you a blank sheet of paper that whatever your desire is for me, let it be done. I don't want to come to you with my agenda. I don't want to come to you with my plan. I'm coming to you asking for your will to be done. 
Give us today our daily bread. Now, God, I'm asking you to release to me this day the resources that are needed in my life to do your will. And then we come to this next section of the prayer found in verse number 12. I'm going to ask you to read it together with me aloud and loudly. Matthew 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Read it again. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Please circle two words there in that verse, debts and debtors. This part of Jesus' teaching was all about debts and debtors. Say it with me, debts and debtors. Jesus continues to amplify this theme in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 6 where he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not sin, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So he's talking again about dealing with debts and dealing with debtors. So what was Jesus wanting us to learn about the Jesus way to pray in this section of the prayer? Let me share with you four things that you need to learn today. Number one, Jesus was teaching us that prayer is a time for spiritual reflection, that prayer is a time for spiritual reflection. Forgive us our debts. Let's talk about this word debt for a moment. The word debt literally means a trespass which obligates. Something that is done, that when it's done, it leaves with it an obligation. We perhaps best know this in terms of crimes committed in our society. We have certain laws of the land. When someone actually violates a law and goes before a court and are convicted of that and the judge gives them a sentence, they are then called to give back. They have an obligation to pay a debt to society. That is, they owe something back for what they did. Their sin against society, they owe something. So a debt is an obligation, a trespass, something that's done wrong that leaves with it some kind of obligation. Now, when Jesus said that we're to pray, forgive us our debts, he was saying that we were to pray about one little word in our life that perhaps most of us are somewhat familiar with, but we don't talk about a lot, and that is the word sin. He's saying when you come to your time of prayer, understand that you have to deal with something called sin in your life. There has to be a time of reflection where you focus in upon sin. Let's talk about sin for a moment because it doesn't get talked about very much in our culture today. The word sin is a word that really implicates or defines any time that you and I disobey God's command, disobey His word, or disobey His will. See, God has given to us what He wants from us in this book called the Bible. This is the Word of God. And any time that you and I go against what God has said is His Word or His will, then you and I are sinning against God. That is, we are saying to our Creator the one who gave us the instruction manual, we're saying to him, we want to do it our way instead of your way, God. We're going to reject your way, and we think our way is better. Now, obviously, that's a wrong approach because God made us, God created us, God knows what's best for us, and so when we sin, we're actually rebelling against God. So we owe God a debt. Now, all of us, when we come into this world, we're born as sinners. We come into this world with a bent toward disobeying God. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, something miraculous happens. 
When you and I come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, we're giving you our life. We're turning our life over to you. We're asking you to be the Lord of our life. What happens in that moment is we are born again. We are, we're made new. The Bible says we, are, we become a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things becomes, become new. And in that moment, there's an incredible exchange that happens. We come to Jesus, we say, Jesus, we're sinners, we're asking for your forgiveness, for your grace to cleanse us and to change us, and there in that moment, what happens is, Jesus said, I take on your sin, in fact, I took it on on the cross of Calvary, and I paid the price for all of your sins so that you could be forgiven. Now, I'm going to give to you a gift of righteousness, and he forgives all of your sins, and he gives you this great gift, he gives you his righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? He imparts that to you. So in that moment when you accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you are made right with God. All of your sins are forgiven. You're positionally made right with God. But just because you're positionally right with God doesn't mean that you live right with God practically every day. See, there are two different things, to be in a position and to live it out practically. So you can have a position as the son and daughter of a millionaire and still live as a pauper because you don't understand. You haven't walked into your position. You can practically be living one way when positionally you're another way. And so part of what our challenge is as believers is to take the position we have of righteousness in Christ and begin to live it out daily in a practical way so that we're not sinning against God. But the reality is, is that every day, every day we mess up. Amen? You want to get online with me right now and say, yep, that's me. I mess up every day, right? In fact, John the Apostle said it this way in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if we say we don't have any sin, what are we saying? We're actually deceived. We're, the truth is not in us. Now, I brought something with me today that most of you will recognize. What, what do I have in my hand? Yeah, it's not a trick question. What I have? It's a mirror, okay? Mirrors are wonderful things. Have you ever been grateful for a mirror? Of course you have because maybe you're about to go into a job interview and you want to make sure you look good for the interview and so you, you stop and you look in the mirror and you realize, my goodness, my tie's all crooked and my hair's really messed up and you know what, maybe you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't realize that you had a little, little bit of broccoli left over from lunch and one of those... Those that, one that, that tooth right there, and so you look in the mirror, and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I looked in the mirror, because mirrors are designed to show you the real you, correct? You can't lie to a mirror. The mirror is going to tell you the truth, not because a mirror is mean. Your mirror is not mean. The mirror is just there to help you, right? Because if you look in the mirror and you see the truth, then from that truth, you're able to do something about it. There's a moment, an opportunity for improvement based upon reflection. The reflection of yourself, seeing yourself or who you really are in that mirror, provides opportunity for you to do something about yourself, right? Now, the mirror that I have here is two-sided. This side is the side that is normal, regular. I can see my regular self. I turn it to this side and anybody know what it is? It's magnified. That is, this is ugly and this is really ugly. <laughs> right? But the magnifying part of the mirror 
allows you to even see in greater dimension the blemishes that need to be addressed that you can't see in the regular side. You look with the magnification, and you're able to see even to a greater degree those things that need to be addressed in your appearance. Now, what I want you to see that when you pray, God is asking you to spend some time in reflection. Reflection means that you take out, if you will, mentally or in your heart, the Word of God and say, God, I know I've read your Word. I hear what it says about this or that or the other thing. And I'm asking that your Word would now begin to speak into my life and your Holy Spirit would make me aware. I'm just going to take a moment. I'm going to look into the mirror of your Word and the mirror of your Holy Spirit. And God, is there anything in me that I need to see about me that I wouldn't see apart from you? God, would you show me a reflection of my Myself. Now, by the way, that's a dangerous prayer to pray, but it's an important prayer to pray because you can't improve yourself until you see yourself, right? Are you with me? You can't make yourself any better until you've looked into the mirror. You can't fix the stuff in your life until you've been willing to look at what's really going on in your life. And so prayer is designed to be that moment that you come to God and say, God, show me stuff about me. Now, here's how we like to pray. We like to pray, God, look at what so-and-so is happening. Look at their life. Look at this person. Look at that. We want to bring other people into the mirror. And God says, no, no, no. I designed this mirror to be for you. And notice what the psalmist said in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, if you will, notice verses 23 and 24. The psalmist is praying. He's spending time with God. And he prays this prayer, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's asking God to bring out the mirror and show him things that he needs to see about himself. Can I ask you when you pray, do you take enough time in your prayer for God to speak to you about you? Do you take enough time in your prayer for God to bring out the mirror of his word and the mirror of his Holy Spirit and to show you stuff about you that you need to see about you if you're going to become the person that God wants you to be? And are you willing even to go deeper at times in your times of meditation and reflection to let him turn the mirror around to the magnification side and to zero in on things that he wants to zero in on in your life so that you can be improved and you can become the person that he designed you to be and fulfill the purpose that he's ordained for your life. So prayer is designed to be a time of personal reflection. Number two, prayer is also a time for honest confession. Prayer is a time for honest confession. Once we see things in our life that we need to see, it's very important that we know what to do with what we see. As I see this ugly thing that, that's going on in me, God, I've now looked into this mirror, so, so what do I do with it? How do I deal with what I'm seeing? How do I take steps toward improvement? Let me mention to you three words that will help you to understand the steps you take toward improvement as you look into this mirror during your time of prayer. First of all, there must come a moment of conviction. Conviction is when you really recognize that what's going on in your life is contrary to God's heart and God's word and God's will. It's a moment of sort of that, that, that quickening in your heart that you say, you know, Ugh, that's wrong. I know, you know, that attitude I've had, that, that's a wrong attitude or that stuff that I've been doing, that's, that's not good, it's wrong, it hurts God. And the way that I spoke to that person, that, that was not pleasing to God. It's a moment of conviction where you realize, oh, I hurt the heart of God. See, it's not just enough to look at the mirror and see yourself. 
God designed the reflection to lead to conviction. So please notice those two words. Reflection should lead to conviction. That, that stirring on the inside, that quickening within you that says, yes, I, I want to deal with this thing in my life. Isaiah the prophet was a great man of God. He loved God, desired to serve God. And there was a day actually described in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah had this amazing encounter with God. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. The angels were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So Isaiah has this incredible moment when he's experiencing God. And in the midst of this incredible moment, something happens to Isaiah. He sees himself in the spiritual mirror. And there's this moment of conviction that transpires in his life. He writes about it in verse number 5 of Isaiah chapter 6. So here he is in this glorious moment seeing the great presence of God, hearing the angels cry, holy, 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 and notice what Isaiah says, woe to me, or woe is me, I cried, I am ruined. Notice why he says he's ruined, for I am a man of what? Unclean lips. I live among, among a people of unclean lips. You know what was happening to Isaiah? In the midst of all of this, this awareness of God's holiness, he was looking into a mirror and he was seeing himself and he came to that point of conviction where he realized, you know what, there's some things on my tongue that aren't clean. There's some things about the way I talk that are not pleasing to God. And there was a moment of conviction that ultimately led to his cleansing and purification. How often are you, are you experiencing conviction in your life? Because personal reflection and prayer leads you to conviction, and then conviction needs to lead you to the next word, and that is the word confession, all right? Confession. So reflection, conviction, confession. Say it with me. Reflection, conviction, confession. Confession is just simply honestly owning up to what God's shown you about yourself. Yeah, God, you're right. I, I am. As Isaiah said, a man of unclean lips. He said what God said about his sin. That's all, it, that's all it is. All confession is. The psalmist David spoke of this in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. He said, when I kept silent, as, as, as God was dealing with, with me about stuff in my life, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. As he's feeling this conviction for the things he had done wrong. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer, and then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will, circle the word there, what's the word? Confess. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So David said, when I finally came to the place of, through reflection, experiencing conviction, and then from the conviction being willing to make a confession to God, that's when forgiveness began to flow. There's one more word that I want to mention here. It's a vital part of this whole equation, and that's repentance. So let me track it. Let me help you track it with me again. So reflection, conviction, confession. What's the next word I gave you? Repentance. Now, some would say that repentance may come before confession, but I would beg to differ. I think that repentance is, a, is an outworking of your confession because the word repentance literally means to change your way of thinking, to turn away from what you've been doing wrong and to start doing what is right. And so repentance is a change of your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says that godly sorrow brings repentance. That is conviction over your sin 
brings this confession and repentance that leads to salvation or deliverance and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So again, we, we track with God in this time of prayer. God, I want you to help me to see things about myself that I need to see. And then there's that moment of conviction. Oh, yes, God, I see that. I see that in my life that you're trying to talk to me about. Now I'm going to confess it to you. I'm going to own up to it and say what you say about it. It's sin. It's wrong. And now I'm also going to repent. I'm going to turn away from it. I want to live differently from that in the future. And that leads to my third point today in our message that prayer is the place to experience God's forgiveness. As you walk through the reflection and conviction, confession and repentance, all that's designed by God to lead you not to misery but to actual joy, to a place of forgiveness. Perhaps you don't know this. If you don't know this, you need to know this. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Isn't that good to know? You say, well, I'm a sinner, so I can't get around Jesus. The best place to go as a sinner is to Jesus. Because Jesus is a friend of sinners. He loves sinners. He, he doesn't leave you as you are when you come to Him as a sinner, but he, he embraces you as you go through this process, as you are convicted, as you confess, as you repent. There's this welcoming of Jesus into this forgiveness that He has for you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Notice the condition there. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive. Would you circle that word on your notes, forgive? What does it mean? Let me give you the basic definition for the word forgive. The word forgive means to send away and to dismiss, to send away and to dismiss. In just a few moments, I'm going to talk about the sending away portion of that word. Right now, I want to talk about the dismissal dimension of that word. If you go before a judge being accused of a crime and you plead mercy and the judge looks over your case brings up his gavel and comes down upon his judicial desk and says, case dismissed. When that case is dismissed, what it means is this. It means that you can walk out of the courtroom not worried about those accusations or charges anymore. Isn't that beautiful to know? Why? Because the law of the land, the judge of the land has now judicially declared case dismissed. You, don't, you can't open it up again. It's done. It's dealt with. This person is now free to go. There are no more charges against them. There are no more accusations against them. The judge says, case dismissed. And what I want you to understand is that when you and I come to God through reflection and conviction, confession, and repentance, out of that we're able to experience our case, our debts that we owe to God being dismissed, our case being dismissed. Let me explain it to you this way. When we come into our, into our place of prayer, we're actually coming before the throne of God. We're actually approaching God's presence in prayer. And the Bible says that when we approach God's throne, we're approaching Him, we're approaching a throne of grace, a throne of, throne of grace and mercy. But we can't get to Jesus, to God ourselves. We need a lawyer, okay, to plead our case for us, right? If you're going to go before a judge, 
Let me just give you a word of wisdom. Get a lawyer, okay? Get a lawyer, okay? Because they understand the law. They understand how things work in the courtroom environment. And so if you're going to go before the judge of the universe to deal with your sins because he's holy and you're not, you need a lawyer that's going to plead your case before the judge of the universe. Oh, yes, he's loving, he's kind, and he's merciful, but he's also holy and righteous and just, right? And so we come to the throne of grace through a lawyer or through, to use another analogy, through our high priest. Not an analogy, a reality. He's our high priest, okay? Think about stepping into a confession booth. Let's change it for a moment from a courtroom to a confession booth. As you come to this confession booth, you're actually confessing to a priest, but not a human priest. You're confessing to the great high priest, Jesus Christ. Let me remind you, you don't need a human priest to absolve your sins because Jesus has already absolved your sins for you on the cross of Calvary. I'm not negating or or diminishing the fact of the power of confession, all that has perhaps value at some point in time in your life, but I want you to know that man doesn't forgive you, God forgives you by the work of Jesus Christ in your life, okay? And the only priest you need is Jesus, your high priest. This is, this is important theology. The only priest you need is Jesus, your high priest, and he pleads your case as the high priest or he pleads your case as the attorney before God the Father, the righteous God of the universe. And what happens is this, through Jesus, what happens is he pleads your case. God, with the gavel of heaven, comes down and says to you and about your sin, case dismissed. Because your lawyer has pled the case, because your high priest has interceded on your behalf, now you can say, my sins are forgiven. You guys aren't hearing this today, I'm telling you. I'm getting ready to preach right now, okay? I haven't started yet, but I'm getting ready to, okay? This will change your life. Because, you know what, let me ask you a question. If you went before a judge and you had charges pending against you, accusations pending against you, and you went for the judge, and the judge slammed his gavel down and said, case dismissed, how would you walk out of the courtroom? Well, I guess it was a bad day today. No, you'd be, you'd be bouncing out of that courtroom. You'd be, sell, you'd be calling everybody. You'd be telling everybody possible what had just happened. You'd be celebrating the verdict, right? Case dismissed. And what I want you to know is that when Jesus said, pray this way, forgive us our debts, he was saying that we can come to the place of experiencing our forgiveness in Jesus Christ as we, intercede, as we, as we pray and talk to him daily. We can walk into every day with an awareness that our sins have been washed away and cleaned away by what Christ did for us on Calvary. How far our sins removed from us. Psalm chapter 103, verses 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces or repents of them finds what? Mercy finds mercy. So Jesus allows us to experience mercy and grace and forgiveness. And our fourth and final point together is that prayer is the place to extend God's forgiveness. It is the place to extend God's forgiveness. 
forgive us our, help me out here, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This portion of the prayer is about debt and debtors. You can't pray this part of the prayer without those two things. So Jesus wanted us to understand that there's, there's this other part of this prayer that we have, just like we owe a debt to God, we also many times feel like people owe us something. That people are indebted to us by the things they do to us. Anytime you say, you owe me an apology, you're saying, there's a debt that I want to collect on. You haven't yet made it right with me. And so oftentimes we carry around inside of us resentment and bitterness toward people because of the things they've said about us, the things they've done to us, the ways, the mistakes they've made that have hurt us or hurt people around us that we love. We carry this stuff inside of us and we have these debts that we feel like other people owe us. And notice what Jesus said in Matthew 6 verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty serious, isn't it? He said, if you don't learn how to walk in forgiveness, not just from God to you, but from you to other people, you'll never enjoy the God to you forgiveness. If you don't extend it to other people, you can't expect to receive it from God. Now, here's our problem, folks. We want mercy from God and judgment for everybody else. That's our mindset. Oh, God, forgive me of my sins, but kill them. God, I'm sorry, forgive me, but Lord, make them pay because they really hurt me. And we don't consciously communicate this with God, but unconsciously, this mindset is pervasive in our lives because of our sinful nature. We want mercy from God, but judgment for everybody else. And Jesus said, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you want to experience God's forgiveness, you've got to learn something about forgiving other people. Forgive us our debts as we also, what's the word again? Forgive our debtors. Now, a moment ago, I told you there were two basic definitions to the word forgive. One was to send away and the other was to dismiss. We talked about the dismiss part, right? The judge says case dismissed. Let's talk about the send away part. I'll use this picture for you because I think it'll help you understand a bit more. All of us with little kids at times have gone maybe to a park, amusement park, amusement center, a fair, something of that nature, maybe even the mall, and uh, had them pick up one of the helium balloons and have the little kids walking around with the balloon and, and tethered to their hand. Oftentimes, it's usually tied there. They'll hold on to it for a period of time, but inevitably, something happens. At some point in time in that journey with those little kids, what will transpire? They'll let go. The knot will come untied, and what happens to the balloon? If they don't pop it first, what's going to happen? It takes off. It goes away, right? In fact, if we gave all of you today helium balloons and said, let's all go out in front of the church today and, and let's release our balloons. We could go out in front of the church with our balloons helium filled and once we let go of them, they would float up into the sky and we would watch them for a period of time but there would be a moment, there would be a time when they would float beyond our ability to see them with our, our natural eyes. They would float away somewhere. We wouldn't see them any longer. They would be gone. They would, they would be sent away. 
So when Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that is, as we have been, had our case dismissed by God, we also need to dismiss the cases of others that we're holding against them, but also to send those debts away, to release them, to say, I'm not going to hold on to that any longer. This balloon of resentment, this balloon of anger, this balloon of hatred that I'm carrying around in my heart that is weighing me down, that is disturbing my peace with God and affecting the relationships in my life and affecting, in fact, my ability to receive even God's forgiveness in my life. I'm making a choice as I'm kneeling down in prayer that I'm going to take that balloon balloon of anger and resentment and hatred and all that stuff that is inside of me that's toward somebody else and just like God has freely forgiven me I'm going to freely forgive them I'm sending it away I'm letting it go I'm releasing it and you say well they really did hurt me well yeah maybe they really did but you really did hurt God too as real as your sins are with God the reality of somebody's sins against you. Maybe the very same. But just because it's real doesn't mean you don't need to forgive. Because let me tell you this. When you send it away, you know what you're doing? When you forgive, you're actually putting in God's hands. And God is the righteous judge of the universe. And He can make it right a lot better than you can. He can balance the books a lot better than you can. He can establish justice a lot better than you and I can. He can, he can make everything work according to His will. Once you and I release it, once we say, God, I'm not going to play God anymore, I'm releasing, I'm forgiving. And so when you pray, what do you do? What is this part of prayer? You kneel down and say, Father, which art in heaven, I thank you that you're my Father, that I'm your child, I belong to you. Hallowed be your name. I worship and I honor your name. Your name is great. Your name is awesome. You are Jehovah God. You're Yahweh, the I am that I am. And I, I come to honor the greatness of your nature and your character. May your kingdom come and may your will be done. Jesus, rule me. I don't want to be in charge of my life. I want you to be king of my life. May your will be done. I'm giving you a blank sheet of paper, Jesus. I don't have an agenda. I want your agenda to be written for my life. I don't have a plan, Jesus. I want your plan to be done for my life. And God, I'm asking you to give me today everything necessary to do your will. Or at least every resource, every physical resource, every spiritual resource, every emotional resource, every relational resource that is necessary. Give us today our daily bread. And now, Jesus, I'm going to take some time to reflect. Lord, is there anything that you'd like to show me about my life that I need to see? Lord, would you help me through the mirror of your word and the mirror of the Holy Spirit to see some things about myself that will help me to become the person you want me to be? I'm just going to spend a little bit of time waiting on you, Jesus, for you to speak to me. And if there's anything, God, you want to reveal to me, would you reveal it to me? Help me to look into that mirror, Lord. Oh, Lord, I see that. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, that, I'm, that hurts you, God. I'm sorry. I, I'm convicted of that. And God, now I, I confess that to you. I own up to it. I realize that that's sin. That's wrong. And I'm sorry, God. I don't want to live that way. And I'm asking for the power of your Holy Spirit that I will turn from that. I will repent that I will go a different way than I've been thinking. I've been living. I've been doing. God, let me change my life according to your word. And Lord... That resentment I've had toward that person today, I, 
I let go of it as well. I just take it and I bundle it up and I, I give it to you. I let go of it because I don't want anything impeding your forgiveness in my life. Lord, forgive me of my debts as I make a choice to forgive debtors. And when you pray this way, you're actually praying the Jesus way. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to be able to study your word. We're so very grateful that you've taught us how to pray your way. You didn't leave us wondering the right way to pray about it. Lord, you've very clearly laid it out for us. And I pray especially today that where we need to improve our prayer life in reflection, conviction, confession, repentance, receiving of your forgiveness, where we need to learn how to extend forgiveness to others, Lord, help us to begin to incorporate this into our spiritual journey. On a regular basis, let it be a part of our prayers and a part of our lives. Seal this word in our heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I especially want to pray today for those among us who perhaps have never given their life to Christ. I pray that in this moment they would receive you as Lord and Savior. They would not leave here today without making peace with you, God, coming to know you as Lord of their lives in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus... I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and He saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.